In our text today, we are introduced to a man named Nathaniel. And this is the only moment he gets in Scripture, but it's a significant moment. It's the moment that he's changed. In this story, Jesus speaks to him in a way that rewrites the way that he views everything. It changes the way that he thinks about himself, the way that he thinks about Jesus, and the way that he thinks about his whole existence, all of reality. He initially was not impressed or even convinced by the idea of Jesus, but when he actually met Jesus, Jesus in person, and realized that he had seen God and that he was seen by God, he was changed forever. He was overwhelmed. He was convinced that Jesus wasn't just a man. This was a man that was divine. This was a God-man. This was the Son of God. The king of Israel, as he confessed. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. For those of you who are just uh, tuning in, who are coming and haven't been following along in this uh, series, we have been going through the book of John. We are now probably, uh, well, we're one chapter in. We're, I I think, maybe four sermons in. So we're pretty early in on the series, but we're going to be here for a while. And we've looked at quite a bit so far. But we find ourselves this week in chapter 1, verse 43. And we're going to look down to the end of the chapter. We're finally going to finish the first chapter of the book of John. So these are the words of God. Let's give attention to them this morning. John writes, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? He will see even greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The word of God for his people. Let's pray. Fathers, we approach your holy and inspired word this morning. We pray that you would inspire us by your inspired word. We pray that our hearts would be ready, that the the soil of our hearts would be cultivated prepared to receive the seed of the Word of God, that it might take root in our hearts, that it might change us, that it might mold us into the image of your Son, Jesus, being more like Him. That really is our goal as we encounter your Word this morning. Let us see past the text. Let us not just see these words on a page, but Lord, let us see what they're pointing to, which is your Son, Jesus. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, O God, my rock, my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, like Philip, uh, I'd like to introduce you this morning to Jesus. And even if you do know him, you say, oh, I know Jesus, I want you to kind of revisit him in a new way. I want you to kind of rethink about the way you think about Jesus. But before I introduce you to Jesus, let me introduce you to his old friend, Jacob. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis. You don't have to turn there with me, but for those of you who've been following on in the series, we keep doing this, don't we? We keep going back to the beginning because John opens his gospel in this way and this kind of in the beginning phrase, right? You've heard this before. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That's how John opens this gospel. Well, the whole Bible opens in Genesis with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And what John is trying to get you to do is to reconceptualize how we think about our existence, how we think about reality. So we're going to go all the way back to Genesis to bounce off a point that John is trying to bounce off of so that we can get the full picture, kind of a context so we can see the whole thing. So I want you this morning to meet Jacob, all the way back in the Old Testament. Who is Jacob? Well, Jacob was the younger of two twins. He came out holding onto the heel of his brother Esau. You remember the story where he's coming out holding onto the heel of his brother. His brother comes out first and he's holding onto the heel. And because of that, they name him Jacob, which means something like heel grabber or some people translate it as deceiver. So you get this image of this baby coming out, holding on to another baby, and he's just grabbing on by the heels of someone else. Kind of this deceiver trying to get ahead by grabbing on to someone else and kind of taking advantage of them to come out. So that's what he was named. He was named Jacob because of that. Now, Jacob constantly found himself in difficult situations where he probably felt unseen, unnoticed, and misunderstood. We're going to keep coming back to this again and again because I think it's important to this text this morning. So Jacob had a father that favored his older brother more than he did. You might want to think about what that would feel like to have an older brother where your dad loves and favors your big brother more than he does you. So Isaac is always kind of doting on Esau, the older brother, but not so much on Jacob. Now, he manipulated his brother at one point in his life. Jacob did. He's kind of heel grabbing again. Do you remember the story where his brother comes in, he's starving, he's really, really hungry, and he says, give me some of your soup. And Jacob kind of kind of see him twiddling his fingers saying, oh, well, if you will trade me, I'll make a trade. Do you remember what the deal was? Give me your birthright, and I'll give you some soup. And for some reason, Esau took him up on the deal. He traded his birthright for a bowl of soup because he was so hungry. Maybe he thought, well, I'm going to die anyway, so I'll just give you uh, my birthright. But he traded this. So you can see Jacob's kind of a schemer. He's kind of a deceiver. He's getting ahead of the, of the game by heel grabbing and taking advantage and manipulating his brother. Now, he also manipulated his father to take his brother's blessing. You remember that story? It played out like this. So since Esau was a hairy man, that's what the text says, he was a hairy man. You can kind of get this picture. He says he was red too, so you kind of got this hairy, red-headed man. And uh, Jacob is a smooth man, it says. That was the, that's the text of Scripture. That's not me saying Jacob's just a smooth guy. That's what the Bible says. It says Jacob was a smooth man and Esau was a hairy man. So since Esau was hairy and his father was blind in his later years, Isaac was blind, he put on some furs and acted like his brother Esau in order to receive the blessing while Esau was actually doing the work of his father that his father told him to. Remember, in his old age, Isaac says, I'm going to bless my son, but son, go out and make me some of your fabulous soup. Go out and kill some animals. He was a hunter. You can kind of think of a man's man going out hunting while Jacob's home. He's a mama's boy staying at home, and Jacob decides this is my moment. While he's out, I'm going to go deceive my father and take my brother's blessing. So this is kind of the most primitive form of identity theft, if you want to think about it. We're worried about people stealing our pins. Now, now Esau's worried about someone putting on some hair and taking his identity. But this is what Jacob did. He stole his brother's identity in order to get his brother's blessing. So after his father assessed the situation and realized, oh, no. I've blessed Jacob instead of my favored son, Esau. This is what happens. This is how it plays out in Genesis 27, 35 through 36. If you want to go back there, you can read it on your own time. But it says, your brother came deceitfully. This is Isaac speaking. Your brother came deceitfully. He has taken away your blessing. Then Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? Remember that word. Kind of put that in your back pocket. That Esau and Jacob. What does Jacob mean? Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He's taken away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. 
So Jacob tried to steal the covenant blessing by deceitfully putting on the identity of the firstborn. Think about that. He was faking it in hopes that he could make it. We talk about this fake it till you make it kind of thing. This is what Jacob did. He's like, I'm going to put some furs on. I'm just going to hope that it's going to work out and I'm going to get this blessing. And what the crazy thing is, is that it actually worked. When Isaac assesses the situation, he says, no, it's what's done is done. I blessed you. I didn't bless Esau. So, of course, Esau's outraged, right? He has the natural response that any kind of brother would have. I'm going to kill you. right? And he means it. He's literally going to kill him. Think about this is way back in times when people were hitting each other with rocks and killing them. Cain and Abel kind of thing. He was serious. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you for what you did. You've taken my blessing, which, des- which I deserve, and you did not deserve, and you're a deceiver. You are rightly named Jacob, and I'm going to kill you for this. So this is, just think of Jacob's complex life, this misunderstood life. So he lives this life in fear that his brother's going to kill him. He's kind of always watching his back, scared that Esau is going to creep up and get him. And he's constantly fleeing. Now on the way to find this new life, his mother's freaking out. She says, you got to get out of here. Find this new life. Your brother's going to kill you if you don't leave. So go find a new life. Go find a new wife and start over. So he does. And on the way, he had this crazy experience. It says in Genesis 28, and he dreamed, he's kind of laying out in the wilderness by himself. Think of Jacob and put, kind of put yourself in his shoes, how you would feel fleeing the situation, really misunderstood, like just really confused, life's complex kind of thing. And he's out on his own before he's met his new wife, uh, before he's got any kind of new life established. He's out on his own and he dreamed, and this is what it says. And behold, there was a ladder set up on earth and at the top of it, it reached to heaven. And behold, this is the part I want you to catch that actually relates to our text today. You're like, why are we talking about Jacob? This is, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the wheat, uh, to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And in you all the offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said this. Catch this. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Think about that feeling. The Lord is in the place, in this place, and I did not know it. It says, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This moment where he has this dream where the angels of God are ascending and descending on this mysterious ladder. What could this mean? Now, Jacob has many other hairy situa- situations, no pun intended. He, he, gets his, he gets into many really uh, weird situations. There's this one time when he's out in the wilderness after he's fleeing his brother, after he meets his wife and actually two wives. If you know that story, it's really complex as well. He thought he was marrying one woman, but it was actually someone else. Really, really messy. So, so this is Jacob's life, and he's finally getting away from his manipulative father-in-law, Laban, who tricked him into marrying someone that he didn't even realize. And he's leaving that, and now he's going to have to go through another land where he's going to encounter his brother who says he's going to kill him. And then he's he sends his brother across, or he sends his uh, wife and kids and family across the river and then goes back for this moment. And we don't know what he was doing out there, but Jacob pulls back for a moment and he gets out in the wilderness, it says, by himself. So Jacob's completely alone. And do you remember what happens? He gets jumped by God. Right? This angel of the Lord comes out and starts wrestling with Jacob, and he can't really explain what's going on, but he's fighting this man, and it says he fought till it was morning, and he would not let go until he got his blessing. He says, I'm not going to let go until I get my blessing. And the angel of the Lord blessed him. 
He blessed Jacob. And yes, he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But he blessed him and something else amazing happened. That was the night that Jacob got a new name. Jacob wrestled God and he was named a deceiver, Jacob. But then he was renamed what? Israel. Israel, which means one who strives with God, or we might say a God grabber. Someone who's trying to get ahead by not grabbing other people and getting ahead by the things that they've done, but grabbing onto God, wrestling with God, striving with God, trying to change things in that way. That's the moment that Jacob's life changed. Back to our story today. So we've met Jacob. Let's meet Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel is a skeptic. We can see right off the bat here. When Philip introduces the idea of Jesus to uh, Nathaniel, he doesn't seem convinced. Like he, He's saying, he's like, who is this guy? I'm not really buying it. He's aware that there are no prophecies which predict a Messiah from Nazareth. You won't find uh, the son of Joseph anywhere in the Old Testament. And Nathaniel knows this. He's a sharp guy. He's a skeptic. So he's thinking about this. Now, perhaps he would have felt a little bit misunderstood at this point. Philip has met the Messiah, he says, and he's all excited, but Nathaniel knows no such prophecy exists. That's what it says in verse 46. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, Nazareth isn't in the Old Testament. I don't know any prophecies what you're talking about. That's cool that you had some experience, but I don't see what you're seeing. So he isn't trying to be a Debbie Downer. He just doesn't want to be deceived, right? He's trying to be a good biblicist and saying, I don't see it. Now, have you ever felt like this? Someone's really excited about something. They come and tell you about, I've had this experience. And you're just like, yeah, I don't see it. Like I, I know you said this, and I know you felt this way, or whatever, but I just don't see it. Something isn't lining up. Now, we can feel like this sometimes. I think this is how Nathaniel was feeling in this moment. He didn't really know what to say. But Philip just says, come and see. Very simple. Just come and see. He's carrying over what we talked about last week. He's being a good disciple. He's introducing people to the truth. He's introducing people to who has changed his life. Now, you remember this phrase, come and see, if, if you were here last week. Come and see is actually in verse 39. If you look up there, Jesus says the same thing when the two disciples come to him. They're, they're asking him where he's staying. He says, come and see. And we said, that's he's saying something more than just come and see. He's saying something more than just where he's staying at. They want to know if they can walk with him, and they can if they can go into a deeper uh, relationship with him. And this phrase, come and see, if you go and look, it's actually a common expression by rabbis and teachers in that time. It's an invitation to go deeper, to solve a dilemma. If you got a question that's on your mind, you would come to a rabbi, and he would say, come and see. We'll work this out. We'll figure out what it means for you to have this question and how to how to move forward in life. So he says this to Nathaniel, come and see. So he says, come and see, but he's saying not just come and see the idea of him. Now, he's already given the idea of him, but he wants Nathaniel to come and see him. He wants Nathaniel to see Jesus in person. And maybe you're sitting here this morning in the same pot, spot as Nathaniel. You've heard of the idea of Jesus, but you don't feel like you've ever really met Jesus. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? There's people who have this concept of who this Jesus figure is, but you don't really have a personal relationship with him. right? There are lots of people like that. Now, consider the implications of these two different ways of living. On the one hand, you could hear about Jesus all the time, maybe even weekly. Maybe you come to church every single week and you hear about Jesus, but you never actually encounter Jesus himself. The person and work of Jesus where it sinks down deep into your heart and you're actually changed when you meet Jesus. So think on this side, nominal Christianity. Someone who's kind of just a heel grabber. Who's someone, he's just getting ahead by trying to grab on other people. He, he's a searcher. He's looking for something, but he doesn't even know exactly what he's looking for. He's kind of trying to fake it till he makes it like Jacob. Right? I'll come to church. I'll do the church thing. I'm looking for something. I really do want something, but I don't even know exactly what it is yet. I'm a little bit confused. I, I feel misunderstood sometimes. I don't feel like anything's actually changed. And then there's people that do get it. They've come to church and something clicks. Just one day, they meet Jesus. 
They understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus, to be born again, to have new life birthed in them. So there's these two ways of living. So let's look back at Nathaniel. He's skeptic at first, and then he's puzzled. Read with me in verse 47 and 48. It says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? So Nathanael's a little bit puzzled. What's going on here? How does this guy know me? I've never met you before, Jesus. Who are you? And who do you think you are knowing something about me? You're, you're giving a definition of me, and you've never even met me before. So this statement is very interesting. It says there uh, that, Behold an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Some of your texts, if you're reading the King James, it might say, In whom there is no guile. Now, I think deceit's a better translation. But regardless, the Greek word there actually is the same Greek word that the Greek Old Testament uses for the word Jacob. Interesting. Right? So some scholars, some biblical scholars actually say that this could literally be translated in Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. Think about that. Think about who the first person named Israel was. Right? When we think of Israel, we kind of think of the people Israel. We think of the nation Israel. But remember, it was Jacob, a single person who was once Jacob and then changed to Israel. He's saying Nathaniel, the skeptic, who's kind of the heel grabber, is now changed into a true believer. And his word, by saying this, actually speaks a reality. We talked about this this morning in our Sunday school lesson. By Jesus saying this about Nathaniel, something actually changes in him. Before Nathaniel even realizes it, he says, Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no Jacob, in whom there's no deceit. And when he says that, it's a truth statement. It's a statement that actually changes who Nathaniel is. So Nathaniel isn't sure what's going on. He's, he's still puzzled. How do you know me, he says. What do you think you know about me? Now, Jesus at this point connects to Nathaniel in an intimate way. This is what Jesus does to us. He deals with us relationally. He gets on our level and he gets us uh, to where he, we, we understand what Jesus is, who he is, and how it relates to us. Now he says this in verse 48. I love this. He says, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now think about how that would have felt to Ben Nathaniel. We don't know what he was doing under the fig tree. Who knows what he was doing under there. Maybe he was just sitting in silence. Maybe he was praying. Maybe he was lofting up a prayer to God and just felt like it was going nowhere. Right? Have you ever done that where you're kind of alone, no one else is around, you know no one else is around, and you're just kind of praying, and it just feels like nothing, like nothing is actually happening? Maybe this is how Nathaniel felt, but we do know that he was alone, because this is why Nathaniel's shocked. He's, he obviously knows that he wasn't just within eyesight of Jesus, and Jesus is like, oh, I just saw you over there by the tree. Like, that wouldn't have, that wouldn't have affected anyone. It wouldn't have affected Nathaniel. He says this because Nathaniel was alone. He was isolated. He felt probably unseen. He felt like no one was watching him. And we don't know what was going on, but we do know that by Jesus saying, I saw you, something clicks. He realizes to be seen by God in that moment is significant. So this is why I asked if you've ever felt unseen, unnoticed, or misunderstood. Because God has a really beautiful way of meeting people in their most intimate moments. When they're feeling absolutely abandoned, that's when God actually comes to us and says, I saw you. I was there with you. I was with you in that moment. When Jacob was alone, that's when God tackled him. That's when God wrestled him into a new name. When he was out and alone, fleeing from a messy situation, on the way to another messy situation where he might get killed, he was out alone. That's when God comes to him. And when Jacob was fleeing his brother's wrath, that's when God gave him a vision of blessing. 
This Jacob's ladder. We've heard of that before. Jacob's ladder. And afterward, he said what? Surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't know it. In other words, I was out alone in my, under my fig tree, and I didn't know the Lord was there. But something clicked. I realized it in a moment. And I want you to think about the moment in your life. I don't know what it is. We all have our different experiences. But you have moments in your life where you felt really, really alone. You felt lonely. You felt like the world just doesn't get it. I don't know what's going on. I don't think that anyone else knows what's going on. And if anyone does know, it's God. But I feel like silence from him. And I want you to think of that moment and realize that in that moment, Jesus saw you. In that moment, God cared about you. He, he wants you to know that this morning. And I want you to know that. I want you to encounter Jesus in that kind of way this morning to where you think about those moments of the, your life, that really, really soft moment that only you know about, that tender, tender moment. And know that Jesus was there. Know that he saw you. And because he sees you, that changes something about you. You're radically changed forever. That, that, that kind of epiphany that you have, it changes something. And maybe even is your, your first birth. That's, maybe that's where you're born again. Where you realize, because I knew that, because I understood that, I believe. Now Jesus knows what you felt in that moment. He cares about it enough to bring you here this morning for me to say to you, come and see. Come and give Jesus a chance. Come and, come and see what Jesus might speak into your life and know about you. So, back to Nathaniel. He's a skeptic at first, then he's puzzled. But now we see Nathaniel's a believer. This, something changes, and he says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Where at first he's kind of this skeptic guy, like, who are you? Now he's calling this guy Rabbi, teacher. You're an authority figure. You are someone who can speak to me and speak into my life. You are the Son of God. He's calling him God. You are the King of Israel. Think about that. They didn't have a king at that time. David was long dead, right? Solomon was long dead. All their kings were long dead. They didn't have a king. And now he says, my king has come. And, and this really is a way of him kind of saying, my king has come. Because Jesus has just said that, behold, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. So he's kind of taken on this identity and says, yes, and I'm an Israelite, and you are the king of Israel. You are my king. Not just a king. You are my king. So knowing that he was seen by God was enough to make a believer out of him. And this is why it says in verse 50, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? In other words, yes, you do believe. That's all it took. All you needed to know is that you were seen by God and now you believe. But Jesus says, guess what? That's not all. You will see even greater things. He doesn't stop there. He says there's more. So Jesus says that this was small in comparison to what Nathaniel is going to experience in his ministry. But what does that mean for Jesus to say that you'll see even greater things? Well, now meet Jesus. We've met Jacob. We've met Nathaniel. I want you to now think about Jesus. Jesus elaborates on what these greater things are in verse 51. He says this, truly, truly. In other words, wake up. Listen to what I'm about to say. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus is the Son of Man. He's saying that I am that connection between heaven and earth. He's making a connection between Nathaniel and Jacob. He knows Jacob's history. He knows the history of Israel. The history of Israel is Jacob had this crazy experience where he had this vision. And there's we can't explain it. There's this ladder up to heaven. There's this Jacob's ladder. We don't even know what this means. What does this mean? Well, what Jesus is saying is absolutely amazing. He's saying what Jacob dreamed about, what all of Israel has dreamed about, is now actually unfolding before your eyes. You are looking at the stairway to heaven. You are looking at the ladder to heaven. And we're going to do even more amazing things moving forward because of who Jesus is. 
Because Jesus is the fulfillment of that holy place where heaven and earth are one. They built a temple and said, this is where God dwells. But when Jesus comes in, he says, I am the temple. He's tabernacled among us. He's dwelt among us. That's what it says. God took on human flesh to be with us, to see us in our moments, to be near to us. And in Jesus, we now worship in spirit and in truth. This is the experience that Jesus brings to the believer. We don't have to go to a temple. We go to Jesus. And in Jesus, we experience who God is. So he is the same God who said to Jacob, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall be spread abroad to to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And in you, catch this, in you and in your offspring, which Paul later says, that offspring is talking about Jesus. He doesn't say offsprings. He says offspring is what Paul says. It's a weird way of saying that. But it says, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In other words, in Jesus, the whole world is blessed. It says, behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. So what Jesus is saying here is that he is greater than Nathaniel could have ever imagined. Nathaniel says, you're the king of Israel. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Not just Israel. I'm the king of the world. I'm the king of heaven and earth. I am that ladder, that access, that stairway, that gate of heaven and earth, where heaven and earth become one. Right? It was broken in the beginning, wasn't it? Back at, we go all the way back to Genesis. I keep going back to the Genesis because that's where everything messed up. But where we're going is the reunification. In Eden, heaven and earth were one. God walked with man. Now when Jesus comes, we again, heaven and earth can be brought together. God walks with man still. You and I can walk with Jesus in an intimate, close relationship where we're radically changed. So church, I've introduced you to three people this morning. To Jacob, to Nathaniel, and to Jesus. So after meeting the king, can he still say of you, you're a Jacob? Or will he say, you are an Israelite in whom there's no Jacob, no deceit? Who are you? Ask yourself this morning. We can approach God the Father the same way that Jacob did to his father. Think about this. We know we're not righteous when we enter this church. I already said it this morning. When we come in here, we know we're not holy. We know that we might even be skeptical at times. We all have deceit. We're all guilty of it. We come and repent of our sins, though, and we believe in the gospel, and we're accepted just like Jacob was accepted by his father. Why? Because of his brother's identity. Jacob was not accepted because he was Uh, earned anything before his father. He was accepted because his father blessed his firstborn son and thought that he was blessing his firstborn son, but his younger son took that blessing and he stuck to it. Now think about that. If Jacob was accepted because of his good works, then the father would have rejected him. He He didn't have the stuff. He was a deceiver. He was rightly named Jacob. But he came in being clothed Think about that language, being clothed like his older brother. And so too, we are clothed in Jesus. That's what it means to be in Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, in our elder brother, Jesus. When we are baptized, we smell like Jesus, just like Jacob smelled like his older brother, Esau. And the Father accepts us on the basis of the Son, the firstborn Son, Jesus, his only Son, in whom he is well pleased. So when we're baptized, we're given a new name, just like Jacob to Israel, we are sinner to saint. We become Christians. We have a new identity. And we walk in that identity, knowing that we're still sinners, yes. But we have something new, something changed about us that transforms us forever. forever. And like Nathaniel, when we meet Jesus, he counts us as a true Israelite with no deceit. 
even though he sees right through us, even though he knows we do have it. But as a true Israelite, Jesus stoops down and we are welcome to come climb the ladder. Come climb the ladder of Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of Jacob's ladder. Christ is that stairway to heaven. And no one comes to the Father except the Son. You can only come up one way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And it's Jesus Christ. And he welcomes you. He wants you to know, you can come climb me. Come to the Father. Come wrestle with me. Come have a relationship with me. That's the invitation this morning. That's what Jesus wants for you. He doesn't want you just to know that he's God. He wants you to know that he's your God. And he wants you to know that you are seen by him. And he sees you and you see him. And that's how that relationship works. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.